Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Coastal Voices. On this week's show, I'll be speaking to Lorna Williams as part of the Royal BC Museum's exhibit, Our Living Languages. We'll hear from the Attorney General and Minister of Justice, Justice, Suzanne Anton, regarding the Aboriginal title case brought by Chief Roger William. All this and more on this episode of Coastal Voices. everybody. Thank you once again for tuning in to Coastal Voices on CFUV 101.9 in Victoria. Uh, we're available to stream online at cfuv.uvic.ca or you can find us on Twitter at CFUV. Uh, find me on Twitter at Sasha Ouellette. Up next, I have an interview with Lorna Williams as part of a, the Our Living Languages exhibit. The Royal BC Museum and First People Cultural Council were kind enough to invite me to tour the exhibit with Lorna, which was an incredible experience, and I'd like to thank Lorna and C- Lorna Williams and Kyle Wells, who helped facilitate my, vi- my visit to the museum. In this week's episode of Coastal Voices, I'll be speaking to Lorna Williams from the First People's Cultural Council of British Columbia. In partnership with the Royal BC Museum, they have created Our Living Languages, First People's Voices in British Columbia. The exhibition is on from June 21st, 2014 to June 2017. This groundbreaking interactive exhibition celebrates the resilience and diversity of First Nations languages in British Columbia in the face of change. Learn what First Nations communities throughout the province are doing to help their languages survive and flourish in this beautifully designed exhibition space featuring original First Nations artwork and interactive stations. Thanks to the Royal BC Museum and Lorna Williams for touring me around this amazing exhibit and providing some context for how this came to be. I'm here with Lorna Williams, and we're about to go through our living languages at uh, the RBC Museum. So we're going to go through. Cool. So could you describe to me what these are? Well, the first um, part of the exhibit, you walk through a forest, mm-hmm. and so these uh, these posts um, are like a for are a forest, and on each side. There are uh, there's um, the name of the of a language mm-hmm. um, up there. Okay. And then um, there's a map that shows where that language is spoken. 
cool. And then there's a word in that language with a translation into English. And you press a button and you can hear and you can hear um, a word in that language. So this is Dakash. Ati. And for hello. Ati. Cool. That's so neat. And so this uh, and it's also color coordinated mm -hmm. so that you can see the language on the map. So you can that map there. Okay, yeah. Wow. No, but that map there, see it's oh, color coded. Okay. And so that you know you know, when you look at that map you could see where it is here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is another language. It's uh, hello, how are you? Yo las ex oh wow, that's so interesting. And this is Tsilkotin. This is from the interior. That one, mm -hmm. the first one was a coastal language. And um, for these languages and recordings, uh, who was all involved? Was it like elders from each community? Or are there certain people from each community that you sought out to, to speak to? Like well, all these recordings are... This is drawn from the work of the people in the communities mm -hmm. and um, through uh, First Peoples Culture Council, yeah, and uh, where the, which archives um, languages, hmm. and so the, all of these samples are from the communities. That's amazing. And then on both sides, as you enter, are people who work on the languages. These are yeah. There's projections of. Of people from the community? Yes. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So, this is a language revitalization effort. Um, when was this exhibit kind of first thought of? About 18 months ago. Wow. And then we, um, and then it took about six months to, to, to work things out, and then we met um, a year ago. Wow. Um, almost a year ago. Um, a year ago, but with uh, members from we, we drew members from all around the province. People who are working on their languages and arts, and um, and we asked and we told them that that um, asked them for their ideas. Like, what are the ideas that you would have about um, about sharing our languages? Mm -hmm. And um, so. All the ideas in here came from those meetings. That's amazing. And it, you know, it, so to put something this complex together in a year, I think, is phenomenal. It is. It's and amazing. And it required, you know, the cooperation and the work of many people. Mm -hmm. um, because BC is a language-rich province, mm. um, we wanted to be able to, and this is what the people said, that um, that all our languages need to be have to be present and um, represented, mm. and so that's why this you know, that's why we begin in this way. And then um, one of the the tasks of First Peoples in revitalizing the language is to report on. Um, um, and to keep people informed about uh, the status of the language. So this, ex this exhibit um, represents all the languages. Mm. And when you press a button, 
the map lights up and then the information comes about the status of that language. That's so interesting. So it's... Um, and then the, you see all the information. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Wow. We're looking now at the Clinket uh, language. You push the button and then it'll give you information about the language of uh, certain people uh, in these tribes across um, British Columbia. It's really amazing. Wow. That's amazing. And so this is just the beginning of the exhibit here. Wow. Okay. Um, is there a way you would prefer to go? Okay. Okay, let's look over here. So, what are we looking at here? It looks like um, these are cradle boards yeah. from the different uh, First Nations. Mm -hmm. um, because we wanted people to experience our languages and um, the richness of our languages and also. Um, the languages spoken and so this this idea was um, people telling stories about here listening to the old people telling stories and talking to babies mm. and um, um, and I was remembering how in my in in my house we had a large room in a living room and the, a pole ran across the room, and uh, the old people, old ladies, would hang the uh, ba the cradle yeah. from the pole and then attach it to their foot. And so all of the other old ladies would come to visit, and they'd be working on knitting or basket weaving and visiting, yeah. and talking to the baby in the middle, and uh, as they would be working and visiting with one another. And so this is the idea. So if you come around here. cradle so what are we sitting in right now this is a cradle mm -hmm. and that's meant to mimic the the feeling and the, the singing so it's like marrying all the languages with the the experiences that children would have had it's really really powerful. So where are these recordings from? Um, from, from many different communities. Um, first Peoples um, said, you know, send out a message. We're doing this little, we're, you know, planning this. Mm -hmm. And we need some um, recordings and uh, this is our idea people said these snippets in that's amazing and these are children singing right now with their parents and their family I guess that's amazing um, when you're doing something like this does this seem like an idea that is like kind of far-fetched and then like seeing it you know that's so cool to me. Well, that's probably been the most interesting piece 
because I attended the meetings and I listened to the people, you know, give their story, their ideas. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this was a very, it felt like a very spontaneous time in the meeting when we were talking about the idea of capturing um, children and, um, you know, and the old people using the language with children, with babies. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for First Peoples and the museum staff to come up with this idea mm -hmm. and to make it work. Yeah, it's, um, you know, to, to, so to give the idea and then watch it develop. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's, it's always so amazing to see um, ideas that seem kind of far-fetched and far away come into fruition and work and be something that's so powerful like this. Can you describe this? Is, um, this is from this um, Musqueam, the Hulkamelemal language. Wow. And it was uh, uh, woven by um, Debbie Sparrow. Wow. Yeah. And it has all the, see the characters in their alphabet. That's amazing. Is this from this year she wove this or is this some? Wow. Mm -hmm. So for this, for this exhibit, exhibit. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. So we um, commissioned a few pieces, mm -hmm. you know, for the exhibit, and that's what she. And this over here, the at the meetings, the people said that they didn't want the focus to be on um, on loss and the negative story about our languages, and you know, because that's it's easy always to go there. Mm -hmm. They wanted to portray the richness and the beauty of our languages. And so they said that um, that only, I think, 20% um, of the exhibit could, could focus on the negative. I think, I think that's important because we have to be hopeful, yeah. especially with language, when you're doing something like this and putting it out there for people who are Indigenous and non-Indigenous to learn about it. Mm -hmm. That's a big step. That's a huge step for Indigenous languages, mm -hmm. and it's um, unlike It's an anything. important part of the story, but yeah. uh, we didn't want it to overtake the story. Exactly, yeah. Well, and so often uh, the story isn't always told from a positive light anyways, mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. good to have it focus on the revitalization mm -hmm. aspect, I think. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me what this is? Well, there's... Um, theater with um, with uh, an eight minute an eight minute uh, documentary yeah. that was directed by um, uh, Loretta Todd mm. and um, uh, with help from Philip Jiwa and produced by Carrie Green mm. it's a beautiful little eight minute film wow with interviews and um, you know with people working and um, that's my voice oh there you are <laughs> that's awesome I really like uh, the background too the way it changes it's 
separate children from their ancestors, to separate children from the land, to separate children from their grandparents and from their parents. What's playing right now is uh, images, archival images of indigenous children in residential schools. So there are a lot of beaded items in here. Were these all things that were in the museum's collection prior? And they decided to, because I don't remember seeing these and now that they're showcased like this, it seems. You don't notice them. Yeah. And, uh, and the museum does have um, a great deal of artifacts that they don't, you know, that the public never sees. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's really true, yeah. So this was, is the other um, uh, commissioned piece. Uh, it's by Francis Dick, who is a Kwakwakiwak artist and um, a well-known Kwakwakiwak mm -hmm. artist. Fran Francis Dick's work has long been uh, really beautiful and sought after. You so hear the language, his language, you pick up the phone. How are you? Ich meant. I am fine. Hmm. Welcome. You are now invited to learn how to say in That's really interesting. Yeah. And then over here, I watched this, uh, the, the man designed this. Um, so I saw it when it was all in pieces and he was trying oh. it out. <laughs> so um, you just turn it and yeah. then it has... And then in, in the different languages. What we're looking at is kind of a, a wooden board that has a circle a kind of wheel crank in the middle that you can turn and it shows all these different languages and in the middle is, is a different animal. So it'll say wolf and then have uh, two senkoten on the side and the, the language for that and the silkoten language for that. That's really neat. Who designed this? Is it some... One of the museums. Wow. To come up with something like this is so yeah. interesting, <laughs> eh? And then, uh, then this one is because we have... Um, now, our writing systems have only existed since the 70s, most, mm -hmm. most of the majority, the majority of them. And we have sounds in our languages that don't exist in English. Mm -hmm. And so this exhibit is, is to um, share with people what an orthography is and then what the, ortho what the symbols in the orthography, rep the sounds that they represent, mm. so people can learn that, again, it's... Um, you use a phone to and buttons to um, uh, to see what the different the different sounds. Hmm. So then you pick up the phone. Yeah. Oh. So that's a lateral fricative, and then the glottal stop.
And then the voiceless uvular. Yeah. That's so interesting. This one is um, First Peoples had a partnership with Knowledge Network mm -hmm. to produce 13 um, two and three minute films that are used in that um, in the the space in the knowledge network, you know, when the when the program ends, oh, yeah, because okay. because there aren't any uh, ads, mm -hmm. you know, uh, commercials. They just have little short films. Yeah, and so these are slotted in. That's so cool. And these are all the 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 programs, and they all have something to do with languages. Well, and it's so interesting. So many of these. Uh, what you can see is thirteen different little. Um, pictures from the movie or the movies and little buttons so that you can play them that's really neat it looks like just there's so many different ideas that culminate in this exhibit and uh, to have them all come together in a year is just amazing it's to me incredible yeah this is really beautiful That's amazing. And so, what community is that from? Jelkstin, uh, which is um, in Okanagan. Oh, okay, so kind of the interior. That's really amazing. Well, there's some record players and sound recording equipment. Well, these are all um, preserving and recording our languages. Hmm. The piece that I wanted to be here was the IBM Selectric typewriter because that's what existed when many of the language, the people developed the orthographies and for their start languages. start recording then. Mm -hmm. That looks familiar to me. <laughs> A little portable recorder there mm -hmm. that is really close to what I'm using today. That's right. Yeah. Wow, what an interesting... Uh, it's not something you think about, right? That, that um, you know, that we have to do is to record in our 
archive and document our languages. And that's what many of the people are doing yeah. in the communities right now. Well, and it's so important. Um, in my culture, I know there's not a lot of people who speak the language anymore. It's Haida. And so um, trying to learn it. And there's things like apps on your phone now that you can get and learn your phrases from your language. And it's really important, especially when you don't live there anymore in your home communities. To be able to, to continue to have a relationship with your language when you're not there. Exactly, yeah. And what is this? This is um, a call to action. It's, um, you know, because, you know, after watching this, because there's such little support in Canada for our languages, mm -hmm. we want to encourage people uh, and, you know, to, to do something and to let them know that they can do something. These people look familiar. That's my friend Janet and some of the Standing Nation drum group. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so. Oh, and there's Yelmer. Yeah. <laughs> so we want people to listen to the languages, to learn something about the languages, you know, to go back home and ask what, who the First Nations are in your home place mm -hmm. and what the language is. We want them to share what to, you know they learned here and and to find ways to support language revitalization. And there's a little guest book. Really amazing that what people are writing and there's little uh, like cards in the guest book uh, that have messages about about the exhibit. Um, people from different nations and different and people from around the world. Yeah. Well, and I mean. This is such a wonderful spot to have the exhibit because it's such a widely visited by tourists. Mm -hmm. Tourists. Wow. That's beautiful. There's one here from Singapore. Yeah, a lot of beautiful words here. Language is culture. Keep up the good work. That's beautiful. And so the hope is that this exhibit will um, put a focus on language revitalization. And to educate people because there's been such an invisibility of our languages and our cultures in you know, in this country, mm. and it's a way to to share some of the richness of the, you know, of the the history, the people, the languages, and the culture that reside on these lands. Mm -hmm. And is this specifically a British Columbia? And it's British Columbia. It's British Columbia. Okay. That makes and sense. Then, then over here are. Um, all the various programs that that are available, you know, language revitalization strategies. Wow. So all these ideas and you can learn, you know, you can click on any one of those and then learn something about, um, about um, well, now, that strategy. Now we're looking at a computer screen that says language and culture camps. And uh, it's having, I'm imagining it's playing <laughs> words on the headphones and uh, it'll teach people about, about these things. Wow, that's awesome. Right now it's showing images of um, young people weaving.
and working with elders. Making I'm, a net. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Getting pitch. Mm. And then there's um, words from the languages that will flash across the screen, which is something we're seeing a lot in here. Is the languages are present everywhere you look, which is amazing. And then you were talking about the apps. Yeah. And that's what is here. So First Peoples has developed um, uh, 13, 12 or 13 um, apps for different languages. Mm -hmm. And then they also developed a keyboard because um, the, cur the keyboards that are on iPads, computers, phones, don't have the characters. Oh wow! And so, so this has the characters. Yes, and so they were able to to um, develop a keyboard for every language in Canada. Oh my goodness! Every language in Australia. That's amazing. And most of the languages in um, uh, the United States. And when I first was looking at the keyboard. I was lamenting that there wasn't uh, one for syllabics, mm -hmm. you know, and um, and so they went back to the drawing board <laughs> and developed uh, the keyboards for the syllabics. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And is this a website that people can access? Yes, FirstPeoplesCultureCouncil.com. Wow, that's amazing. Or FirstVoices.com. FirstVoices.com. Cool. And uh, you can get apps uh, for. Languages all across North America no, and Australia? No. no. These, the apps are BC. Oh, okay. It's the chat app, the keyboard chat app that's oh. all the languages across Canada that's and amazing. Australia and most in the United States. So you have here um, the Shuhwapmuch app, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have the Dakash um, uh, app, the Tunacha app, the Northern Shtatimch app. Andiska, wow. Slyamen. Um, There's the Skidigat Hadawan. Yeah, and the Sanchathan. Yeah. Kwakwala. Kwakwala. Wow, that's amazing. And then there's an app uh, for the First Voices Tutor. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Is there anything else beyond there? Or is this no, uh, the center of the exhibit? This is the center of the exhibit. And so this space used to be a, a pretty much an empty space. People walked, walked through this space mm -hmm. and to go to the, all the other exhibits in mm -hmm. the museum, like the First Peoples uh, exhibit and the BC exhibit. So they would walk through here to get to those. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, and so the museum CEO, when he came, um, Jack Lohman, saw this space and he wanted to he wanted to do something with it. Yeah, and utilize that. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's I mean serving an amazing purpose right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about this before we finish up? Mm -hmm. This is another um, Jalen Insa. Uh, um, 
um, because our languages, the richness in our languages are found in our in the stories. This is the um, the storytellers and language uh, and language keepers um, um, exhibit. It's from the same clan as me. As you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. It's from the Eagle Clan, the Haida Nation. Yeah. Um, so it was a commissioned piece, and it's huge, what looks like red cedar uh, piece on something that like it looks, looks like yellow cedar. Oh, yellow cedar. And um, this looks like it's been made to look like a stone or something. Mm -hmm. A huge piece of wood uh, made to look like a stone. That's amazing. And I wanted to introduce you to Aaron Well. Hi Aaron, I'm Sasha. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I'm from CFUV. Okay. And Aaron is one of the dos what do you what do they call you, Aaron? Exhibit interpreter. Exhi oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So That's my official title. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so what is your role here? My role is to answer any questions that I get about the exhibit or about the languages or uh, anything somebody about the orthography, which I probably couldn't speak to any authority on because <laughs> I don't have any training in that area. But uh, just to answer questions, and if somebody wants, I could show them around the museum. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, not the museum, but the exhibit. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's my role to interpret the exhibit. And do you have training in languages? Is that um, specifically? Well, I, I started with our first Voices Portal about seven years ago when okay. they came to our community. Um, I guess I kind of, I didn't necessarily grow up in the language, but my grandma taught a language class in our elementary school. Okay. Um, and through, I guess, the archival of First Voices and those classes, and then growing up with my grandparents as well, is, mm -hmm. um, I, I have those connections. So That's to speak. amazing, so, yeah. 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 And your mother. And my mother, yeah. yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> Which is who I've been a part of the archival process with. My mom is... Uh, She's, I guess you could say, fundamental to our portal and the first oh, voices. Oh wow! And so she's contributed to this yeah, yeah. with so uh, her language. She's she's been, I guess, sort of the administrator of getting the Ihadisit dialect onto the website. Wow! Um, so going to the elders and recording and then archiving and then I do all the editing on all the languages, get the clips so we can put it on first voices. Oh, that's um, awesome! So that's that's been my training. And the First Voices is the thing we were just looking at over yeah, there? Yeah, this is the First Voices. You can also find the website, www.firstvoices.com. That's and so cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> this is an amazing exhibit. And how did you get your, uh, your position here? Uh, I guess we could say through my mom. <laughs> uh, she she pointed me to the direction of the job posting, and I said that I've that I have grown up with you know with the language classes and the language revitalization, and that I'd be I I could learn quickly, so I could you know be the best asset that I can to this exhibit as an ambassador of the First Nations languages, and um, hopefully to to present what has been going on for so many years in a good you know in a good in a good form in a good way. Yeah, so, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you both on what you've done here. This is a fantastic exhibit. Not to everybody. Yeah. There are many, many people who worked on this. Yeah, I guess across British Columbia and probably even Canada. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. And thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, thank you. For, for doing this. Oh, yeah, of course. It was good to meet you, Aaron. I hope to come back soon, actually. Okay. 
Once again, that was Lorna Williams and Aaron Wells from the Royal British Columbia Museum. Um, and Aaron works on staff as a <clears throat> an exhibition interpreter, and Lorna was a part of the effort to create this amazing exhibition. Uh, thank you again to all of the folks, the Indigenous folks across BC, who helped create this amazing interactive exhibit. Uh, it was so beautiful and amazing to check out and once again it is uh running now till june 2017 so you have a lot of time to check it out uh, but i would just totally get in there and check it out whenever you can because it's such an amazing exhibit i had so much fun and i'm definitely going to go back and check it out shout out to Joni and her preschool uh cohort for listening <laughs> Hi, everybody, uh, for listening to me. That's great. I always love to find out who's listening to me, so you can get at me on Facebook or at me on Twitter, at Sasha Ouellette. Also on Facebook, the uh, Coastal Voices Facebook group is just Coastal Voices, so you can ask to join that, and I will certainly let you join. Um, Going to get into some uh, announcements now. As some of you know, there is a pretty cool show coming up tonight. It is Mac DeMarco, and uh, so we're going to get into a little bit of music from that and then some news. So stay tuned to Coastal Voices on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Hey y'all, you're, you're tuned in to CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, listening to Coastal Voices. I'm going to get into uh, some news really quick, then we'll, we'll do the music thing again. Um, yeah, news, what's happening in the world? Try well, as some of you might have heard, Chinese artist and uh, activist and dissident Ai Weiwei has collaborated with a Navajo, Navajo artist named Bert Benali uh, to create a piece of art for something called TIME, which is an acronym for Temporary Installations Made for the Environment, which is a nine-year effort to bring temporary site-specific art to the Navajo Nation. The work is called Pull of the Moon, and it will be at the Museum of Contemporary Native Artists from July 16th to October 16th in Santa Fe. So if you are that way, uh, definitely go check it out. I can't, I've i seen uh, video footage of this installation, and as usual, it is fantastic. It definitely... Um, it was great to see Ai Weiwei working with an indigenous artist, especially a relatively uh, unknown indigenous artist, and kind of uh, giving them a boost in popularity because of Ai Weiwei's, uh, um, I guess, history and popularity. Uh, there's also a documentary in the works called The Making of the Pull of the Moon by Daniel Hyde and Black Horse Slow, and it, that's uh, set... Oh, it doesn't really have a date yet, so yeah, just just keep your ears and your eyes out for Pull of the Moon and the Pull of the Moon. The Tulsa Nation, uh, the Tulsa Central Council, has announced its intentions to prepare for an Aboriginal title and rights claim against the province of British Columbia and Fortune Mines Limited. For the proposed Ar Arctos Anthracite coal project, for Mount Clappen and the Clappen area of Tulsan territory, which we know is a sacred territory for the Tulsan people. 
The announcement comes following the Supreme Court of Canada's landmark decision in the Silkwatin Nation's Aboriginal title case, which has been a major victory for Aboriginal peoples of BC. Last week in the Silkwatin Nation was granted Aboriginal title. Here's the Attorney General of British Columbia in a press conference that took place last Thursday in Vancouver. everybody, thank you for coming. First, as I think you all realize, today's decision from the Supreme Court of Canada provides additional clarity around processes and tests that are applied to the relationship between the province and Aboriginal peoples. It is a significant decision, and we believe it will be very helpful. We will take the time required to fully analyze it and work with First Nations, industry, and all of our stakeholders as we do so. What I can tell you today, though, is that we are committed to continue to work together to make sure we all have healthy, thriving communities, both socially and economically. The relations we have built with First Nations and industry provide a strong foundation going forward. We are fully committed to continuing to build trust and strengthening those relationships. We've seen the benefits that come to First Nations communities and indeed to all of us when First Nations have the opportunities to fully participate in the economy. We know that industry supports the approach that creates certainty on the land base. That has to continue. We all know the success that comes when we choose to negotiate rather than litigate. As the courts have repeatedly pointed out, negotiation is preferable. When that happens, we all win, First Nations and everybody in British Columbia. Thank you, Minister. Thank you. So for questions, we've got a microphone at the back if you just want to flag. Sir, uh, how does it, this judgment change the dynamic of the negotiation of the treaties? The, thank you. The, uh, as the courts have said, and as I, as I said a moment ago, there has been a very strong emphasis on negotiation, and the courts repeatedly say that negotiation is preferable to litigation. And you can see that this was a very lengthy piece of litigation. Treaty negotiation will continue. Thanks. Just remember to from Fairchild Television. Uh, just wonder how would the judgment today affect the uh, future uh, Enbridge project, and how does it play into current five conditions set up by the uh, government? The provinces, <coughs> excuse me, the provinces' condition around the heavy oil pipelines has been clear. We have five conditions. One of them has been met, four remain, and we will not be considering that pipeline until those four conditions are met. On the right here. Hi, Julie Gordon from Reuters. Um, so now if, if consent is granted to a project but then title is established thereafter, can uh, a decision actually be turned around on that? Do you understand what I'm asking? The, as I said, we're taking time to read this decision and to analyze it in terms of the legal issues. So what I can tell you from the province's point of view is our very strong commitment to continuing to work with First Nations, to build the relationships and to build um, our economy, to build prosperity in British Columbia in the way that we're doing now and the way that government has been doing for some time now. Minister, again on the right here. Uh, Jeremy Hainsworth, Bloomberg BNA. Um, much of the litigation that's gone on has been around uh, stewardship of the land and uh, Aboriginal people. And uh, what a lot of that has, uh, has been about environmental issues. 
how does this change how environmental assessments and environmental approaches might be taken by the government? We have uh, very strong working relationships with First Nations around resource development, around environmental issues, and uh, th that will continue. We will continue to work together on those issues in British Columbia. Hi, Tara Carmen, Vancouver Sun. Just wondering how quickly the province is going to move to amend the Forestry Act and what other uh, BC laws you can anticipate this judgment affecting? Yes, one of the things that the judgment did emphasize and that was important to the province is that there was some issue around whether or not First Nations title and, and areas would fall to some kind of federal jurisdiction. They are not. They remain in provincial jurisdiction. As to specific changes that we will be making, it's too early to say. But uh, suffice to say that we will be continuing to work closely together with First Nations as we move forward. Once again, that was the Attorney General of British Columbia uh, speaking at a press conference last week. Um, that's pretty much it for news. The Unistaten have released an update from their camp that a few days ago a helicopter had touched down in the back of Unistaten territory. Unistaten territory. This incident, this incident marked the fifth flyover in the past two weeks, and they jumped into a truck and gave chase to where they thought they might be heading, which is a proposed work camp for the Pacific Trails pipeline. As they approached the area, the helicopter flew back the way it came, and the next day they investigated the area and said that it was obviously disturbed, uh, and they suspect that the helicopter had landed. Um, so now they have made a helicopter blockade that says, uh, Unistoten territory, no trespassing. And the situation at Unistoten is starting to es escalate and more sentries are needed to stand guard. You can support Unistoten by uh, going to their website, unistotencamp.com, uh, online. And that's U-N-I-S-T-O-T-N-T-E-N, uh, dot com, or camp.com um next up i have uh, a kind of an event listing coming up for next next week this is well yeah i guess it's next week is it not it's uh two spirit trans and gender queer solidarity march uh that's saturday july 5th that's this week at the Fernwood community center it starts that's 12 40 Gladstone Avenue and you will meet up make signs at like 11 gather outside and prepare to march at 1230 and then march and make some noise at 1 p.m. Uh, oh, Pride Community Festivals 1 to 5 p.m. Saturday at uh, Staticona Park that's this Saturday again just later in the day Staticona is 1490 cook uh, come to the park enjoy some free food meet some new folks make connections with community resources and check out the awesome clothing swap these events all take place on Lekwungen Songhees territory in Victoria. And these are free all-ages events. And bus tickets are available for both uh, before and during these events. Please avoid using scented body care products before arriving. Uh, festival organizers are working to challenge systematic oppression, including settler, settler colonialism, racism, ableism, transmisogyny, etc. Please contact us if you have questions, comments, or concerns about these events. Um, altpride.wordpress.com Email at altpridefest at gmail.com And there's a Facebook group, which is just Alt Pride Fest. Please respect uh, our intent 
to offer more sober spaces by not consuming drugs or alcohol while you're marching and festivaling. Once again, that's July 5th this weekend. Um, that's going to be about it for me. I'm going to throw on some tracks and then head out of here. Up next, we have uh, Straight No Chaser. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Coastal Voices. If you have any questions or concerns, please tweet me at Sasha Ouellette or check me out on Coastal Voices uh, Facebook group. Uh, and also find us on cfuv.uvic.ca. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Coastal Voices. <laughs>